from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Hope you're all doing well this morning and enjoying yourselves. If I sound a little bit different, it's because the allergy monster has jumped upon my back, but I am fighting it tooth and nail. And we did a good job with it last night, so thanks. shout out to Sleep It On My Stomach, Mucinex, and the grace of God, first and foremost, for helping me to feel better than I felt yesterday. So, if anybody else is fighting the allergy season like this boy is, I pray and I hope that you get better soon, and that we all beat this thing, and that it doesn't keep kicking us in the tail like it has been. So, however your day is going, whatever is going on, I hope that you have found some peace and that your allergies are not keeping you down. Don't let that happen to you. So God bless always and forever. Hope you're having a good day this morning and proud to be here with you, nasal and all, but hopefully, you know, I definitely feel a lot better than I felt yesterday. So I just want to let you know we're fighting the good fight together, folks. We're making it happen. With that being said, we're on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. we got a bunch of things I want to talk about this morning, and in order to make that happen, we have to hop into the morning menu, so let's get it going. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. Here in today's morning menu on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, we're going to start off the show with a conversation on the debacle that is the Toronto Raptors coaching. That is something we have to get to this morning. The Toronto Raptors have have lost control. I don't know what is going on. I don't know what is happening right now, but the Toronto Raptors have, you know, through this entire coaching process, made somewhat of a strange and confusing turn of events. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. And then at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, we're going to do what we always do here on a Thursday, and that is to speak with... Katie Kalinske, who's going to be joining me. Katie Kalinske joining me from spending seven years under Jim Bayheim on the Syracuse Orange Men's basketball staff. She's going to join me at 9.30, as she always does with the signature segment, Coaching with Class. Katie Kalinske will be on the show. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in that world of basketball, and we may continue the conversations on a few things here with the Toronto Raptors and so on and so forth. And then at 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, <clears throat> we're doing what we do now on Thursdays. We did a little flip-flop with Friday's show, so every single Thursday we will be featuring Fantasy Football Power Hour that you were used to on Fridays. We have a move to Thursdays because Thursday Night Football, because it gives you an extra day to get fantasy advice, because it gives us more time to help you out with setting your fantasy roster, and... 
you can download it, listen to it, share it with your friends, and have an extra day because there's games. Uh, there's a game on Thursday, right? But you have Thursday, Friday, Saturday into Sunday to listen to the show now, and you know it helps us be able to create more of a relationship with you by spending more time with you. You can listen live every Thursday from nine a from part of me ten a.m. to eleven a.m. Eastern time to the Fantasy Football Power Hour. And then you could go to wakeupcalldt.com and right there on the homepage, you will see that there is the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the Podbean podcast, and TuneIn Radio. Any one of those is going to bring you to the show and you can listen into all the shows there. You can search fantasy football and give yourselves exactly what you need for some fantasy football advice. So we're making it easier for, easier for you. We're putting it on every single archive Easy access on wakeupcalldt.com to that archive, and there'll be the fantasy football page on wakeupcalldt.com, which is already up there. You can check it out as long and and you know obviously you can listen to us live every Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern time, right here on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. So make sure that you're always connecting yourself with. Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, and with your fantasy football advice. If you'd like to sign up for fantasy, as promised, I will put I'll put a post up today during one of our fast breaks, and you can sign up to be in our fantasy football league. So do not fret. We will get you into fantasy football and get you all set. We already have a bunch of people that have signed up for our August drafts, and that sign-up is open, obviously, so we'll let you know how to get in touch with us for that. With that being said... Let's hop into the morning menu and let's speak on this craziness that is the situation of the Toronto Raptors. Now, the Toronto Raptors, they made, you know, here's the thing. The Toronto Raptors have made some interesting decisions. They decided to fire Nick Nurse, or pardon me, fire Nick Nurse. They decided, I'm looking at Nick Nurse's stuff right now. They decided to fire Dwayne Casey and hire Nick Nurse. Now, Nick Nurse has spent, as an assistant coach, all of his five seasons in the NBA with Dwayne Casey. Now, Dwayne Casey, while he was the head coach of the Raptors, after being an assistant to the Supersonics, the Timberwolves, and the Mavericks, he came to Toronto 2011-2012. He won... In 66 games that he coached that year, he didn't coach all 82, he went 23 and 43. The next year, he went 34 and 48. The next year, he went 48 and 34. Then 49 and 34. Then 56 and 26. Then took a small dip in 2016, 17, 51, and 31, and then bounced back and went 59 and 23 in the regular season. So in his time with the Toronto Raptors, Dwayne Casey made the team better and better and better and better and better and better and better. Going from 23 to 34 to 48 to 49 to 56, and for all those playing the home game, that means you're raising it, raising those wins, went down by five wins, then shot back up by eight and had the most wins the Toronto Raptors have ever had in a regular season, 59. Most wins at home, 34. And first time ever, they would be the number one seed in the Eastern Conference for the playoffs, and he got fired on the year that he was the coach of the year. So, it makes no sense. I don't get it. 
when you go by the numbers, Dwayne Casey is consistent. Consistently getting better. One season where he took a dip. Every other season, he's getting better. So for me, this is a no-brainer for Toronto. Where was Toronto before Dwayne Casey? What were the Raptors doing before Dwayne Casey? Well, I'll tell you. It was ugly. It was gross. There was no playoffs going on. They were 22 and 60. 40 and 42. 33 and 49. 41 and 41. 47 and 35 was not too shabby, and that was back in 2006, 2007. So, with Dwayne Casey, this team got back to the playoffs inconsistently. With Dwayne Casey, the Toronto Raptors improved their win total every single season except for one where he still won 51 games, and then he responded by getting the team to 59. He set records with Toronto once again. For most wins at home, they were 34-7 and at home. Most wins ever in a regular season, 59. First time ever the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. And he got fired. Se- seemingly because he can't beat LeBron James. Do you know who can beat LeBron James? Nobody in the East. Nobody in the East. Nobody beats LeBron James except for the Golden State Warriors. So if you get rid of your coach because of this issue of the inability to get past LeBron James... Well, then Boston has to fire their coach, Brooklyn, New York, Philadelphia, Chicago, Detroit, Indiana, Milwaukee, Atlanta, Charlotte, Miami, Orlando, Washington, the L.A. Clippers, the L.A. Lakers, the Phoenix Suns, the Sacramento Kings, the Dallas Mavericks, the Houston Rockets, the Memphis Grizzlies, the New Orleans Pelicans, the San Antonio Spurs, the Denver Nuggets, the Minnesota Timberwolves, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the Portland Trail Blazers, and the Utah Jazz all need to fire their coach. There's only one team in America that defeats LeBron James. And that team is Golden State. So if your mile marker, if your get this or else, do this or else, then everybody should have fired all their coach. Every coach everywhere in, in, in America should have been fired. Because nobody's beating LeBron James. Except for Golden State. And if you want to just talk Eastern Conference, okay, fine. That's 16 teams. One of them is Cleveland. So 15 coaches needed to be fired last year. Because nobody could beat LeBron James. Boston is not firing their head coach. Okay? It's not going to happen.
So, and he wins coach of the year. And there's that awkward moment on social media where the Raptors are like, congratulations, coach, on being on being voted in the final three for coach of the year. And it's like, you just, you just fired him. You just let him go. And you're congratulating him on being up for coach of the year? He obviously wasn't coach of the year to you. He wasn't that good in your eyes. And that's the craziness of this whole thing. Is that... Dwayne Casey didn't do a damn thing wrong. Yet, here he is. The head coach of the Detroit Pistons. Who got a massive opportunity to get a good coach in a situation that makes absolutely no sense. And who do the Raptors hire? Well, first and foremost, they waited forever. Secondly, the Toronto Raptors say, okay, you know what? Let's go find somebody. Let's find somebody that makes sense for us. There was no plan. There was no plan whatsoever. If there was a plan, it wasn't carried out well. They fired Dwayne Casey on May 11th. They hired Nick Nurse on June 13th. Nick Nurse was an assistant to Dwayne Casey for the last five years. So you fired the guy that helped you get to where you are to hire the guy that helped the guy to get you where you are. Make sense of that to me. You fired the guy that led you here to hire the apprentice that worked for the guy that led you here. So what were you hoping for? A cheaper contract? but the same plays. This assistant coach was running Dwayne Casey's plan. It's like firing Jim Beheim to hire Mike Hopkins. On a smaller scale, but still. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you let Jim Beheim go and then put Mike Hopkins in the seat. Now, if Dwayne Casey retired, and it was the 11th hour, then yeah, hire Nick Nurse. The guy who has never been a head coach in the NBA. To coach a team that was just the top seed in the Eastern Conference. Mind you that LeBron is probably not going to be in Cleveland anymore. So, and could be in the Western Conference. I think that Philadelphia makes the most sense, but we shall see. Everybody thinks that they're all going to L.A., right? There's now a thing out this morning that LeBron and Kawhi Leonard and Paul George would all go to the Lakers. Now, Lakers got, they have the most cap space. But we look at this, okay, so financially, the Los Angeles Lakers 
can sign Paul George and LeBron James because they they can make themselves unre- unrestricted free agent if they de- if they decline their player option for the upcoming season. Kawhi Leonard is under contract with the Spurs. They would have to sign off on a trade with him. Now, Leonard is under the max salary, which for 2018-19 is $20.1 million a season, which is gross. But those are the numbers, folks. LeBron could be making 35.4, Paul George 30.3. Now, that could put them at over $85 million. But everybody seems to think that this can happen. That the Lakers can pull this off, shed everything, and put it all together. If LeBron wants to go to California. In my opinion, he makes the most sense in Philadelphia. But if I'm playing in the NBA, I don't want LeBron to play with me. Because he sucks the life out of everybody around him. Yeah, okay, you get to hoist a trophy, but everybody gives all the credit to him. They don't talk about you at all. You're just a lackey. You're just a leech. You're just the guy that's on LeBron's back when he's galloping, you know, through the derby, so to speak. And for me, it's like he's the whale and you're the crustacean that's on him. That's not how I want to experience the NBA. So, yeah, if LeBron was on my team, I'd be like, you know what, LeBron, why don't we maybe not... Why don't you go somewhere else? Can you maybe go somewhere else? That'd be great. Because we don't need you here. And that's okay. That's okay. LeBron James, to me, is is not the guy that I want on my team. Dan, how could you say that? He's one of the greatest ever. Look at what he leaves in his wake. Look at the careers of the guys afterwards. When you play second fiddle to LeBron James, you may never play first fiddle again. So I'm good. Kyrie got out and got paid at a time where he still got some, what, three, four years to give? Where he can really, really, really hunker down if he's healthy, try to make something happen? So that's great for him. That's amazing for him. But I'm not playing with LeBron James. Because I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to deal with the drama. I don't want to deal with getting screamed in my face. 
I don't want to deal with this whole we're teammates as long as we win approach, which is what it feels like. I want to play where there's a team, right? Kevin Durant, figure out a way to sign him. Everybody costs money, especially when you win the championships. Everybody costs money. But they found a way to keep it together this long, so find a way to keep it together. And if worse comes to worse, worst case scenario for Golden State, they've already won without Kevin Durant. We know that LeBron can carry a team. We know that LeBron can go wherever the hell he wants to go. But... I wouldn't want to play with the guy. Because winning a champion championship, yeah, that's nice. That's wonderful. Winning a championship is great. But at what expense am I giving up who I am, how I play, and what I'm about for this one guy? That's a big no thank you for me. But back to Dwayne Casey. Speaking of this one guy. He gets fired. He gets let go. Signed up by the Pistons. Which, shout out to the Pistons. For being this smart. They were just outside of the playoffs last year. They were 39-43. and 43. Guess what, folks? Really good chance they're making the playoffs this, this coming season. 2018-19. He's going to a team that was a sniff away of going to the playoffs. Four games out. They'll figure it out. They got Dwayne Casey. Every Again, to reiterate, every single season he was in Toronto, Toronto was better, except for one season where he dipped by five wins but stayed above 50 wins. Out of 82, mind you. So he went from 23 to 34. So he jumps 11 wins, then jumps 14 wins, then jumps one win, then jumps seven wins, then goes down five, then goes up eight. Fired in the best season the Raptors have ever had at home in entirety in the regular season. First time they were ever the number one seed. He gave them three things they've never, ever had in their history. 59 total regular season wins. 34 home wins. First seed, first seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. He gave them three things they have never, ever had before. And they repaid him by firing him with no plan in sight. It took them over a month to hire somebody. If you're going to fire a coach when you're sitting at the top of the East, you better damn well have some people on speed dial. I don't know who you're calling, but you better have somebody there. And obviously, there was no plan. There was nobody that they had thought about, planned for. 
it's just funny to me that, yeah, this is a guy who knows the players, so that could be a good thing for Nick Nurse because he knows the guys already. He's worked with the guys for a while. He's been there with DeMar DeRozan. He's been there with Kyle Lowry. He's been there with Jonas Valanciunas. He spent a couple seasons with Serge Ibaka. So he can have that connection with the players already, some continuity. That's great. But how do you fire the head coach who hired Nick Nurse and then hire Nick Nurse after Dwayne Casey brought you to where they brought you now? It makes absolutely positively no sense. It just goes to the show that the Raptors had absolutely positively no plan in place. Because if Nick Nurse was the guy forever and a day, they would have fired Dwayne Casey and hired Nick Nurse. There's no point. He was the guy that was sitting there. He was sitting there. Okay? He was little bro to big bro Dwayne Casey. So you say, Dwayne, here's your pink slip. We'll see you later. If you know it's going to be Nick Nurse, you don't even have to spend a half a day. Bye, Dwayne. Here you go, Nick. Hey Nick, don't go do us a favor, don't go with Dwayne to Detroit. We're gonna we're gonna make you our head coach. What was the plan? Did you make phone calls? Did everybody say no? What was the plan? Because right now it looks like a team that was sitting at the top of the East freaked out. And in a moment of irrational thinking, driven by emotion, fired their coach out of frustration of the consistency of their losing to LeBron James. And now, it got you a cheaper coach who's been there, who doesn't have the leadership of Dwayne Casey anymore. And you know what? For Toronto's sake, I hope Nick Nurse is the best coach they've ever had in the history of their entire franchise from 1995 to now. And I'm not ripping Nick Nurse at all. This has nothing to do with Nick Nurse. This has everything to do with Toronto firing a coach seemingly because he could not defeat LeBron James, which the only coach that has is Steve Kerr in recent history. So nobody in the East is beating LeBron James. Up to this point. So this is where we stand. Firing Dwayne Casey. After all of this success. And and even if you scratch out everything that they did this season. In setting records and doing this, that, and the other thing. Like I said, look at every season he had. And look at how they did what they did. Look at how from 2011 to 2012... All the way to 2017-18, what he did in seven seasons in Toronto took them from a team that won 34.8% of the time to a team that won 72% of the time. And you tell me that that coach isn't worth it? I'm going to tell you something real. This wasn't about firing Dwayne Casey. They should have gave him a damn raise after what he's done in seven years. But... Instead, Toronto lets him go to Detroit, which means that they'll have to go up against him, which means that Detroit will be in the playoffs probably, and and Toronto will probably have to face off against their old coach who knows exactly how his players play, and they just gave a gold piece, a blue chip, something very important to the other side. They just gave their opponent in the East a leg up. 
It baffles me. It baffles me. They have Damon Stoudemire. They have Vince Carter. They have Tracy McGrady. None of these superstars stay there. And you have a coach who is there and growing and blossoming. And like we said, I don't know everything that happened in the background. But this is the first great thing they've had in what seems like forever in Toronto. And you let him go to hire his assistant coach. Sit and let that marinate because it doesn't make sense. We'll take a step aside. We'll come back with Katie Kalinske. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DrySigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DrySigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DrySigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name, so give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. 
For one day only, Sunday, August 12th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., the CNY Pop Festival brings sports and pop entertainers together, including Syracuse basketball's Decades of Bayheim, from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. to Daywan Coleman, as well as Syracuse football alumni and actors from The Flash, Star Wars, The Gremlins, Power Rangers, and The Addams Family. Come to the CNY Pop Festival at the F Shed at the Regional Market. Buy VIP and pre-sale tickets now on cnypopfestival.com. Brought to you by Honda City. Liverpool, Utica Pizza Company, and True by Hilton Camillus. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We were talking about the Toronto Raptors before the fast break, and we're here with Katie Kalinske. You know the segment right here around 3.30, or 3.30, 9.30 a.m. It's 3.30 somewhere. 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time here on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora every Thursday broadcast, Coaching with Class. It's an exclusive segment you'll find only here with Katie Kalinske. She spent seven years under Jim Beheim on his staff of Syracuse Orange Men's Basketball, and we have a lot of things to discuss. The first thing that we're going to discuss is to go off of what we were talking about before the fast break to ask Katie if the Raptors make any sense to her or if, if she feels like it's just as insane as I do here this morning. Katie, how are you doing today? Hey, good. How's it going? Good. So let, let's let's you know get enlighten us. Did did the Raptors do anything that makes any logical sense to you, or is this thing just as crazy as I think it is? Yeah, I'm not. What's going on? Uh, I guess they just wanted a cop out of why they can't beat LeBron, and they decided to go for their head coach that basically was the coach of the year who had the most wins in the season, who got the first, the number one seed in the East and they decided that it was time to let him go for someone who was already on his staff. I mean, I'm not sure what the reason it was. So it'll be interesting to see how it all pays off, uh, especially if LeBron doesn't go back to Cleveland. I'm, and if LeBron does go to the West, I'm definitely interested, interested to see what their decision was and why they did it because he was basically the reason they couldn't go move forward and he might not even be there anymore. Yeah. And that, and that's the thing that, you know, it's always that, that knee jerk reaction right? That, that fear, that frustration, but even going through Dwayne Casey's success at Toronto in general, and this is something that I talked about before the break, was the fact that every season he was in Toronto from 2011-12 all the way to this past season, the wins went up except for one year, but he still stayed above 50 that year. He took a team that was 34.8% winning percentage in his first season to 72% this season in the regular season. His team has not dipped under a 58.5% winning percentage in the last four years. And in the last three years, or pardon me, the last five years, and in the last three years, they have a 62 winning, 62% winning percentage or better, 63% in 15, 16, 72 this year. He brought them back to the playoffs back to prominence, to places they've never been before, and yet he was not worthy of keeping his job. And I'm just trying to wrap my head around that this morning. I don't yeah, get it. I, think, I think it goes back to what we talked about, is they just needed one more player in Toronto. I don't think it had anything to do with coaching. All the had to do was just bring in another, maybe another scorer that we talked about, and they were fine. And instead of you know figuring out ways how to bring in players, they decided to just by their coach and it's just it wonder you wonder too uh how much you know their uh 
All-Stars had to do with it. You know, maybe they said behind the scenes that they were ready for a change. And, you know, it just seems like a cop-out from them, too, then. So I'm not sure who, who the problem came from. So someone had an issue, and they decided that it was time for a new coaching change, even though, like you said, he changed the whole team. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is he he did so much for this squad. When he came to Toronto, Toronto was was a laughing stock. Toronto was it was a joke, and he helped them get to a place where they're back in the play. I mean, if you're in the playoffs and you're the number one seed, and the worst case scenario for you is that you can't beat LeBron James, as I said before, nobody in the Eastern Conference could beat LeBron James. So if we're going to talk about 16 teams, take Cleveland out of it, because obviously that's where he is, you got to fire 15 coaches every single year. It's not just Toronto. Everybody's got to fire their coach. If if that's the litmus test, if you can't beat LeBron equals you get fired, then everybody gets fired every single year. Nobody keeps a consistent coach, and we move forward. This LeBron factor, though, I mean, this he's one of the greatest players of all time, and he is somebody who can carry a team on his back, as we know. So, like you said, you know, they, they look to the coach, which is kind of a cop-out, kind of a scapegoat thing, but look at the roster, Katie. Do you think that they have, and I don't want to load this question by giving my thoughts, I'll give mine after, do you think that Toronto has enough or are they missing pieces? And if they're missing pieces, what do you think they're missing? Yeah, I definitely think they need another, you know, it's kind of, at the end of the day, you look at Golden State and they have four guys that are incredible players. And then you look you look at Houston, who is like James Harden and Chris Paul, and they have a ton of pieces around them that can play. I think that's what Toronto's missing. Because at the end of the day, I don't think their two guys are enough. I think they need one more. I don't know if it's another superstar. I don't know if it's like a Kevin Love type player that comes in with them who's a veteran that can kind of, you know, score and do the little things. Or, you know, maybe they look for, I don't know, what are their drafts looking like this year? What picks do they have? They have none because, as in other drafts, they have traded their picks away. Oh, well, that's not good. Yeah, they definitely got to bring in either a free agent or, you know, try to trade someone in. Um, you know, I don't like I said, it could be like a Kevin Love type player. I don't think LeBron would sign in Toronto. So I think they're going to have to look elsewhere, and they definitely need another piece to that puzzle. I don't know if it's another all-star or another just, you know, solid player that's been a veteran in the league that can kind of help the locker room, but they definitely need to bring in, I think, another scorer, at least, or even a three-point shooter that can kind of spread them out a little bit more. So we'll see. We'll see what they decide to do in free agency. Uh, but I don't think a coaching – you can get a new coach, but unless they bring in another player, I don't think it's really going to matter at this point. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske inside of our signature segment, Coaching with Class, every Thursday on Wake Up Call with Dan Satora at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. I want to take a look at who's available right now as far as, you know, the best – that's out there, and just to just to make this argument, I'm going to name off a bunch of players, and then I'll throw it to you, Katie, uh, as far as who you think is reasonable to get there. So Kevin Durant, J.J. Redick, Chris Paul, Brooke Lopez, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who, by the way, was a summer league star. They got him money in Detroit. They got him money in L.A., and that man just made $17 million, and that is a true success story of never giving up on your dreams. Demarcus Cousins, Tony Parker's 105 years old, so I wouldn't imagine that would be good. Derek Favors, Amir Johnson used to be in Toronto. Trevor Ariza toyed with Toronto. 
and that opportunity. Vince Carter is still around. He could go back to Toronto. He's, I think it's his 93rd birthday coming up. Avery Bradley is there. Channing Fry, Jabari Parker, Isaiah Thomas, who's a head case, it seems like. Uh, Jalil Okafor, Aaron Gordon, Jamal Crawford, so on and so forth. Zaza Pachulia of the Golden State Warriors, he's there as well. Guys like Tariq Evans, Julius Randle, Rajon Rondo. Marcus Smart, but he can't really score. Nerlens Noel. So I mean, you know, thoughts on when we hear that? I mean, there's 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 talent out there. There's some quality free agents that are available this year. And what are your thoughts on some of those names I put out there? Does anything seem viable? I agree with you that LeBron is not. So does anything else seem a little bit viable? Yeah, I'm trying to think of the list you gave it. You know, it seems to me some of those guys will definitely go back to their old teams. You know, because they're all you know, going for, you know, championships with, you know, the 76ers and so in Golden State. And it'll be interesting to see who Golden State can bring back or who they're going to sign. Uh, I don't know. I don't know who would want to go to Toronto. Um, you would have to think that DeRozan could convince at least one or two guys to come, you know, come to the team. Uh, it'll be interesting to see, too, because, you know, coaching matters. Who will want to play for the new coach? Who will trust them, you know? I feel like a lot of factors go into it, so I don't. It'll be interesting. I really, I have no idea who Toronto's gonna sign. That's why I'm, I'm waiting this one out. I can't even say who would want. Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'll have my popcorn ready to see, you know, what moves they make. I'm looking at like Rajon Rondo, and I'm like, maybe, maybe that makes sense. I will say, I will say something though. Toronto's about four hours away from Syracuse. We could make it the Syracuse North. And they could sign relatively inexpensively Chris McCullough, who's available, Michael Carter Williams, who's available, and they have Malachi Richardson. So, just for fun's sake, for Syracuse fans listening in, they could make this a, a Syracuse North team. I mean, if 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 for nothing else, it's only going to cost them a couple million dollars. <laughs> Wouldn't that be interesting? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was wondering. I wonder how uh, where I'm still going the off season, and then I think Jeremy Grant's contract's up, and he should be making a penny this year. Yeah, Jeremy Grant, you know, who did some good things in Oklahoma City, he has an opportunity as well. He was he only cost them one million dollars last year. And I know to to you and I, one million is a hell of a lot of money, but in the NBA it's like getting paid fourteen dollars. So, you know, he's he's got an opportunity here. He is under the bird rights right now. And, you know, he was able to bring it and do some good things for the team. He played twenty minutes a game. So I would imagine that, you know, of the Malachi McCullough, Carter Williams, Jeremy Grant, that Jeremy will probably be in a position to potentially be the highest paid of those four as we move forward. And in speaking of moving forward, LeBron James, we agree, is not going to go to that place called Toronto. Where do you think makes the most sense for him? I've broken down salary caps, who's got the most money. I broke down who's going to have to give up what. Is it worth it? So I have my thoughts and then the fans answered, and we'll we'll get to that. But where do you think makes the most sense for him? Well, my heart wants him to go to L.A. because I've been a Lakers fan since I was younger. And all these rumors that his wife's out there and his son's going to school out there. Uh, makes it, I feel like him and Paul George are going to team up this offseason and go to L.A. That's just my opinion, just by how it seems like it's playing out. Beforehand, they wanted to play together. You know, like the big trade they were talking about in Cleveland was uh, Paul George is going to come in and Kevin Love was going to leave. So by hearing that, you would think that the reason Paul George is going to go there is because of LeBron. LeBron kind of, to me, runs everything that's going on. 
So I think him and Paul George want to play together, and I think I think it's going to be out in L.A. because they can sign two guys, and they have the young talent to do it too. So we'll we'll see. I would it would be it would be cool to see him play for the Seventy Sixers because you know having him in Philly would just be a great you know story all season just to see how they all play together with their young core. You know Ben Simmons and LeBron teaming up together would be pretty cool to Embiid. Um, and then they have a good shooter in Redick. He does go. He is still there. And then Houston, I think if he goes to Houston, I think they definitely win a championship. I think it's no question. So either any of those teams, it would just be fun to watch. To me, it would not be fun to watch him go back to Cleveland because that team right now is just a mess. <laughs> That's the one team I do not want him to go back to because I feel like they're kind of – they hit their course a little bit there. They have some things to figure out, and if he goes back to Cleveland, they need to bring in someone different or another player because they, they can't win with just LeBron. And Kevin Love, I think he was disappointed in the finals too. Well, the, the thing with with the Cleveland Cavaliers is that the first time that he left them and took his talents to South Beach, he crippled them. The fact of the matter is when he leaves this time, he could cripple them even more because of the lack of consistency. There is not a single player on that team that's consistent, from Kevin Love to Kyle Korver to J.R. Smith, who doesn't even know what day it is. Nobody is consistent on that team this time around. I think he leaves, you know, let's say he leaves Cleveland, which I think is is going to happen more than likely. If he leaves Cleveland, I don't think that that team makes the top eight to get into the playoffs. They may make the top ten, but Detroit, which I just told everybody, Detroit was the next team in, next team up. They were number nine. They got Dwayne Casey now, so they're going to the playoffs. I don't see Cleveland surviving and not doing what they did last time LeBron left, where there is still something to be happy about. I don't think there's anything in Cleveland at this point. We took a fan poll. I wanted to know what people thought. Where's LeBron James going? I gave you four choices. San Antonio, Philadelphia, Houston, or he stays with Cleveland. 8% said he'll stay with Cleveland. 21% said San Antonio. 28% per, pardon me, 29% said Philadelphia. 42% said Houston. 42% said he not only wants to beat the Warriors, he wants to beat them in the Western Conference and don't even let them get to the NBA Finals, don't even let them taste the NBA Finals. Now, if he goes to Houston, though, they got to sign and trade. They got to move some pieces. They're going to lose some stuff. L.A. can make this happen without really having to lose anything. They just shed the contracts of the free agents that they have, and L.A. can make this thing work. If Houston wants to do this, Houston's going to have to give up stuff. So if you're the Houston Rockets and you agree with the fan poll that he goes there, Katie, what do you give up if you're Houston, knowing that uh, Clint Capella is, is a free agent, Trevor Ariza is a free agent, you have Chris Paul, you have James Harden, you have P.J. Tucker, you have Ryan Anderson on the team who could cost you some bank. Maybe you can shed that somehow. What do you do if you're Houston and LeBron says, I want to come here? How do you make it work? Who are you willing to let go of? Well, I think if you bring LeBron in, you could let go of a player like a Trevor Ariza, um, I think an Anderson, uh, either or. Um, you could definitely let go. I'm a big fan of Clint Capella and the way he played in the playoffs. So it would be hard for me to think that they could just let him go. Um, but I need those other two guys. I have no issue with them losing. You know, Trevor Reese is old. And then you're obviously bringing in LeBron, so you're, you're making up Trevor in many ways. That With Trevor, to me, was just like a shooter this year. Um, and then Ryan Anderson, 
I think he definitely, you know, either or. I just think it's hard to lose, like, a Clint Capella. But any of those other two guys, like, I don't think it would matter that much. But I think people, like, Houston could have beat Golden State if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt. So, I don't know. I don't know what their answer definitely will be. But if Chris Paul doesn't get hurt, they were up in the series. And then they couldn't win a game after the fact. So, I just, I think that was just an unfortunate situation that happened where Chris Paul hurts his hamstring and he can't play for two games because they had Golden State. They were Golden State looked mortified in the series when Chris Paul was playing. They it, it was like they had no answer. They were messing up at the end of the game. They looked like they weren't confident. You know, they were asking who the man is in Golden State. You know, why Kevin Durant doesn't pass the ball. They had so many storylines going before Chris Paul got hurt. And then Chris Paul gets hurt and they win two games. So, I don't know. Houston, Houston could win without LeBron. Or maybe Houston decides to go in a different direction and, you know, sign someone else or just bring their guys back. Well, it would be crazy with him and Harden and Chris Paul all together. Well, that's the thing. Speaking here with Katie Kalinske and coaching with class on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, mixlr.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Where, where it's at, you know, I, I don't know. If I'm Golden State, because there was like, you know, some conversation about that too. Oh, he could go. I was like, he's not going to Golden State. Okay. Or he's going to play with Kevin Durant. Hell, he's not going to play with Kevin Durant has beaten him twice. There's no reason. There's no. I'm not. Go, I'm not leaving the team I'm on winning championships to go run around with some guy whose butt I just kicked. That's not going to happen. If I'm the Golden State Warriors and I'm Kevin Durant, I'm Steph Curry, I'm Klay Thompson, I'm Draymond, whoever I am, and I know Draymond Green's got to figure his stuff out too. But I'm staying on this team, and I'm going to win another two to three more rings. Then I'm going to have five. Then I'm going to be tied with Kobe. And then I can talk whatever I want to talk. If I'm Steph Curry, I'm in good positioning right now. I won without Kevin Durant. I won with Kevin Durant. I'm sitting pretty in Golden State. Golden State was nothing to anybody between Chris Mullen and Steph Curry. So here we stand and Tim Hardaway and whatnot. So for me, Golden State doesn't need to change. Houston, like you said, they don't necessarily need to change. Philadelphia makes the most sense to me because he would be on a team with two former number one picks, Markel Fultz and Ben Simmons. He gets both of those guys, Joel Embiid. You make it all work. Philadelphia is in the top three for cap space as well in the NBA out of 30 teams. You go there, and when you're LeBron James, if you're playing with Kevin Durant, Kevin wants the ball. If you're playing with Paul George, Paul George doesn't want to be Chris Bosh. He wants the ball. If you're playing with Simmons and Fultz, yeah, they want the ball, but they're young guys. And they're going to be, in my opinion, not knowing them personally, they're going to be more excited and more happy that this grizzly veteran who can win championships is coming to Philly. They haven't won a championship in 35 years since Moses Malone did it. So you have him, and and if, if, if there's any concern of, well, who's going to get the last shot, I would trust Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz to defer to LeBron more than these other guys are going to do. Kyrie didn't want to do it anymore, so look what happened. Steph Curry's not going to give it to you. Kevin Durant's not going to give it to you. Russell Westbrook's not going to give it to you. You know, say Kawhi Leonard, he finally, he wants to have more, in my opinion, more of a, more of a place on a team where he feels like he can be the star. So if I'm LeBron, I go there. I played for a couple seasons. I pass the torch to these guys. I help them try and win a championship or two. And then I hand it off to them. They still have their whole career ahead of them. And in looking at it in LeBron's sense, if I go to L.A., and I know you want him to go to L.A., 
But if he goes to L.A., Magic Johnson, Wilt Chamberlain, James Worthy, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, on and on and on and on and on and on and on. If I go to Philly, I have to... I have Dr. J, and I have Moses Malone. And you can say Allen Iverson, but Allen Iverson didn't win a damn thing. So we can talk about Dr. J, Moses Malone. He'll be in the top three in Philadelphia forever. If he's in L.A., it's like, is he nine? Is he one? Is he five? Is he four? If I'm him, I want to go to Philly. I'm going to be in the top three. This team has already shown that they could be in the middle of the pack of the Eastern Conference. Toronto's making stupid decisions. Miami's not a threat. There's certain teams in here that are not a threat to me. I'm going to go to Philadelphia. I'm going to kick some butt. I'm going to have these young guns with me that can run up and down this floor. And if those legs of the Golden State Warriors start to get a little bit tired, I got Simmons. I got Fultz. I'm going to, I got Embiid. I'm going to make this happen. For me, it makes sense for them to take him and him to take them. And monetarily, they can make it work. So I think Philadelphia makes the most sense. Yeah, and I also look at If you kind of look at the things people are saying right now, like a Dwayne about LeBron, like Dwayne even comes out for LeBron. It's not really about the championship right now. It's really about his life and life after basketball. And he's getting older, so his decisions are going to be based off of different reasons now. So, kind of reading into what everyone is saying at the moment, kind of makes it seem like he's going to LA just by the way they're wording it. They're not like because a lot of people aren't wording it like, oh, LeBron's going to go team up with somebody and they're going to win championship. He's going to go team up with Boston or Philly. Or, you know, San Antonio, no, he's going to make a decision based off of his life and, you know, his children and his family and life after where he can make a home. So that's why it seems kind of interesting to me the way even his friends are wording it right now. It doesn't seem like it's, oh, yeah, he's definitely going to go team up and try to win another championship. Not one person has kind of said that. So that's kind of the way I'm looking at it right now is, does that mean he's going to go to like L.A. or is he going to go to Philly and try to win a championship? Yes, I mean, and, and that's the thing, is that everybody's prognosticating that, you know, there is this connection with Los Angeles, and it could make some sense, but you're forgetting one thing, Katie, and it is the most important thing. Who wants to deal with LeVar Ball? <laughs> that, that's very true. I definitely would not want to deal with him, but he's been kind of quiet lately. We haven't really heard much of LeVar, so maybe, you know, he'll learn if LeBron's there, he just has to be quiet because it's not his son's team, it's LeBron James's team. Well, and we can also understand one thing, silent crazy is still crazy. <laughs> so, with, with that being said, uh, Katie, anything else on your mind to, to wrap up today's edition of Coaching with Class? I know we've spoken about LeBron and, and about Toronto's woes with their coaches, but is there anything else that's been kind of shaken up in the NBA or WNBA that's that's been on your mind this week that you want to get to because I know that you're always you know paying attention to, to different things and, and what's happening so is there is there something that's kind of been on your brain either with free agency or the WNBA at this point you know what I'm just looking forward to free agency and just seeing where everyone ends up it's kind of it's the fun time of year to kind of see how everything shakes up a little bit uh, so even though we can't watch basketball uh, on the men's side, we definitely can see where the free agents end up. And I also urge people to watch WNBA games because they are fun to watch. I've been watching them the last month, and I've enjoyed it a lot. And just seeing, you know, if you look, if you watch the WNBA game, you know the way they run their offense, the way they, you know, they play defense. Everything is high level. You know, they're they're high level basketball players, and 
you know, if you like basketball, then you can watch any type of basketball. You know, I was saying yesterday I could go into a sixth grade gym and watch basketball and love it because, you know, basketball is basketball. So, you know, I encourage people to support women uh, because they work as hard as anyone does. So uh, that's kind of the message I have. Absolutely, and that and that message should be rung true to everybody here. If you're a fan of basketball, and I'm the same way as you, there's a bunch of three-year-olds playing in a park. I'm like, whatever. Let's see who wins. I want to see if this guy can dribble behind his back. What can what can that you know that girl's a big shooter. I mean, I remember having uh, doing a camp, and I had all these boys, all these little boys, and I had one little girl, and nobody would pass her the ball, and I blew my whistle, and I said, every time you go down the court and you don't, because she was wide open. I was like, every time you get on the court and you don't pass her the ball, I'm blowing the whistle and we're stopping the game. And I will stop this game a hundred times until you give her the ball. And, you know, so for me, I love it. I love seeing it. And I, and I, I don't think that we should live in a society in 2018 where I should say, Hey guys, can you maybe support the women's game a little bit? I mean, we could support the college side of it and people love what Gino Ariema does, but you know, those players move on to the WNBA and they do some pretty fantastic things from there. So I think that's definitely worth the conversation and worth your time. And the last thing for for you, Katie, is you know now that Tyus is back, can you apply for an extra year? Can you get an NCAA waiver and come back? I wish. I wish I could, but I think I think my time is up. But I've actually I've had uh, the opportunity the last couple of weeks to actually work out Coach's daughter, Sissy. So that's been you know it's been fun for me to see her progress. You know because she's going to uh, Rochester next year. And, you know, I still, I've been around the Mellow every day, you know, kind of seeing everyone work out and, you know, do their thing. So it's been fun to watch. I think it's going to be a really exciting team. Uh, the focus of the team is already there. You know, everyone knows it could be pretty special. So I think, you know, it'll be fun watching. It'll be weird watching the games on TV next year instead of on the bench. But, you know, it's still going to be really exciting because they're going to be, they'll be a special team to watch and one to remember for sure. So even though I can't be there, I'll still, you know, I'm still going to be their biggest fan. That coming from Katie Kalinsky in our signature segment, Coaching with Class. Katie, as always, I appreciate it, appreciate your time. And, you know, you get to work out with some of the best of them. And like you said, Coach's daughter right now, you had you had Brianna Stewart that came back and obviously, you know, I, I believe Kayla Alexander and, you know, the Syracuse women's basketball alumni coming back too. So keep doing what you're doing, keep enjoying it. You got some great stories to tell. And Next week, we should talk about that, what it's like to have Coach's daughter in the uh, in the gym and what you took away from her. So maybe we'll go to that next week. For sure. <laughs> right. Take care. Have a good day. Bye. That coming from Katie Kalinske of Jim Beheim's staff for seven years. She was on Jim Beheim's staff, so she had everybody from Tyler Ennis to Tyler Lydon to Tyler Roberson to Daywan Coleman to Trevor Cooney to Mike Benege to Dion Waiters and Jeremy Grant, Tyus Battle, Frank Howard, Malachi Richardson, and so on and so forth. So big ups to Katie, and thank you. And I love the note about women's basketball that, you know, if you love basketball, then just love basketball. Don't love basketball and then refuse to watch the women play because it's not the men's game. In all honesty, folks, you can learn a lot from watching the women play. When I was at, when I was at Marywood University and I created the show MU Courtside, which was our live coverage simultaneous on radio and TV of the men's and women's basketball teams there for the NCAA, I had the blessing of covering both teams and a lot of times double headers. And I will tell you this with utter certainty. The men's team, fun to watch. The women's team, they were damn good. And a lot of the time in my time at Marywood from 2003 to 2007, they were better than the men's team. 
So for everybody that showed up to the men's game but didn't come in earlier to see the women's game, they missed out on amazing talent and closer games and better, just better basketball at that time. So don't discredit somebody because of the color of their skin or because of their gender or anything. If you love something, then give everybody a fair chance because you would want a fair chance too. And that's something that we all forget. We all forget if we were in their shoes, right? Spend a day in someone's shoes. That's what my mom always told me. You don't know what anybody else is going through, and you don't know what life is like on the other side of things. And if you, who refuses to watch the WNBA, who hates the WNBA and believes it's a sham, whatever, if you were a woman, if God snapped his fingers and all of a sudden you were a woman and nobody wanted to support you playing basketball and you're scoring 30 points a game because you're a woman, your attitude would change real quick. So before God snaps his fingers, change your attitude and give women's basketball the opportunity that it fairly has earned. We'll take a step aside. We'll come back with the Fantasy Football Power Hour in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. For one day only, Sunday, August 12th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., the CNY Pop Festival brings sports and pop entertainers together, including Syracuse basketball's Decades of Bayheim, from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. to Daywan Coleman, as well as Syracuse football alumni and actors from The Flash, Star Wars, The Gremlins, Power Rangers, and The Addams Family. Come to the CNY Pop Festival at the F Shed at the Regional Market. Buy VIP and pre-sale tickets now on cnypopfestival.com. Brought to you by Honda City. Liverpool, Utica Pizza Company, and True by Hilton Camillus. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. So look professional, look good, and feel good. Outfit yourself at DrysigApparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands. With Fan Hands, the ultimate sports fan accessory, find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on FanHands.com, where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear Fan Hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens... They're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop. And on MixLR.com backslash DT. that is the live feed. You want to become a member of that, it is free to do so, folks. So get yourself onto MixLR.com backslash DT. 
become a member. It takes you just a couple seconds. And the two great things about being a member is that you get to chat with us in the live chat room. And so if you have questions on your fantasy team and the Fantasy Football Power Hour and so much more, you can shoot that over to us while we're talking live with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. And you can also be emailed every single time the show goes live. So you'll never miss a live show again, never miss a live broadcast because your email will literally alert you and say, wake up call is live. You open the email, click to listen. That's all you have to do. You open your email, you click to listen. They say on the internet, you should be three clicks or two. So we make it very, very easy for our members. So make sure you become one today. When I tell you it's free, it's actually free. It's not kind of free. It's totally free. So make sure that you jump on to the mixlr.com backslash wake up call DT feed and join us there for the show. Fantasy Football Power Hour happening every Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Once again, like I said with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, you can head there to get a plethora of opportunities to help your fantasy team. There's one as low as $5, and there's also numerous other opportunities to have Mike run your team, go to your draft, help you out in so many different ways to get you to a place of prominence in fantasy football, and we appreciate him doing that. This hour is brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub, the hub of our fantasy football drafts every single year with the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge. With all that being said, Mr. Mike Sofka, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. And Mike, you know, first and foremost, for you, you know, we were talking about this off the air a little bit, so... Before we hop into going division by division, and for those of you that know, last week we did the AFC North, broke down fantasy football information for all four teams. Each fantasy football power hour, that's what we're doing. We're breaking all these down to make sure that we give you the information that you need So and spending the ample time on it. But before we go there, you and I were talking about Des Bryant. He is literally, not figuratively, running completely out of time. We are through the draft. We are, I mean, we saw free agency. We saw the draft. We have seen OTAs. We're heading into training camp very, very, very soon. And this man still doesn't have a job. What do you think about the situation of Des Bryant? And, you know, now I guess the Baltimore Ravens, that, that opportunity, he might want to look back retroactively, hindsight being 2020, and have taken that job. Yeah, it's a little too late for that, unfortunately, for for Dez, you know, he's going he's gonna to wait for an opportunity. He's got to wait for an injury or something to happen at this point because he kind of priced himself out of his own market. You know, there's a, you know, when you're trying to sell or buy anything, there's a certain point where value exceeds price. It's a bargain and you buy it. If the value is beneath the price, you wait for a discount to consider buying it. So it's just a matter of the value, the perceived value, you know, it didn't look like he was a true number one a lot of the time in the recent past, and it didn't look like he was the type guy who was a rah-rah guy, a a lead-the-locker-room guy, you know, he's kind of that prima donna, selfish type uh, wide receiver that we've seen time and time again. I've often said to to friends and, and, and people I'm discussing things with that, you know, the wide receivers are definitely the, the the group of guys collectively. You know, not everyone. I know I'm painting this with a very broad brush, but collectively they're the guys on the field that think the most of themselves. 
they're the guys that are better than a lot of other people. And a lot of times they are. I'm not going to kid you. They're, uh, wide receivers are among some of the premier athletes in the NFL as far as speed, athletic ability, ability to jump and catch and so forth. But if that don't transition to the field and you still think you're that much better, you know, God bless you, but you're not. And, you know, the NFL is a business first. You know, from the fan side, our perspective, our perception of the thing is that, you know, it's a game. And these guys should be lucky to be getting paid for a game. Well, from Dez's side, that's true. He ought to feel lucky for getting paid to play a game. But at the same time, the NFL is a business. And, again, if the value doesn't exceed the price, he's going to go unsold or sit on the shelf forever. So he needs something to change. Either he needs to change his outlook, he needs to take a step back, he needs to realize he may go somewhere as a number two or a 1A instead of the one. He needs to realize that he may not get all the money. If I was Des Bryant at this point, I would find the right situation, and it's going to take time at this point. It's not going to happen tonight or tomorrow. But what he needs to do is sit back, and then he needs to – hope for a one-year deal somewhere and that's going to be a proving ground year that's going to be a year where he can show hey i'm still in the game hey i can still be a number one hey i can still be a star in this league and i demand star money and until he does that he's going to be sitting on the shelf yeah you know and and that's the thing is that you know he's in a place right now where obviously there's something that people don't like because you know, there's a reason why the Cleveland Browns passed on Johnny Manziel the first time around, and then everybody else passed on him until he dropped into the 20s. So, and then Cleveland was like, whatever, I guess we'll pick him up at this point. So, there's a reason why these things happen. There's a reason why people go, eh, I don't know. And Dallas obviously was like, yeah, you know, it's it's just not a good fit for us anymore. And nobody has given him a chance. I mean, in the in the early hours of this. I thought it was totally logical, rational, could happen, that the Giants called him up and were like, you know what? We're going to sign you immediately. We're going to put you on the other side of Odell Beckham Jr., and we're just going to harass the hell out of the Cowboys and everybody else because we're going to have both of you guys here. There was that rationale that, okay, he would stay in the NFC East even if he didn't go to the Giants. There was the rationale that the Jaguars could pick him up because they got rid of Hearns and, and Robinson. So there's this opportunity in, you know, getting rid of Hearns 88, bringing in 88 for the Jaguars. They just have to change the name on the jersey. So, you know, they're in the early stages of this, there were plenty of teams that made sense. And when you look back on it, I actually wrote a story about Des Bryant, where I said, you know, what would be the good Des Tenations? And what I had him down for that I thought made sense for him, all the teams that he had here, was the fact that, you know, for me, I thought that, you know, he could go to Jacksonville, San Francisco, Oakland, Houston, Cleveland, Baltimore, and the Jets, as well as Arizona and the Los Angeles Rams. I looked at the Detroit Lions. There was a long list, and I gave my reasoning for every single one of them. But Jacksonville has six or seven guys now, and the majority of those guys are not expensive. San Francisco still needs some help there, so that's interesting. Oakland could use some help. Houston could always use some help for DeAndre Hopkins. Cleveland it looks, you know, dare I say it, pretty good, and I don't know if they want the headache. Baltimore, they got all, all their three guys, the, the arguable depth chart of one, two, and three, however you want to run it, from Willie Sneed to John Brown to Michael Crabtree, none of them were on the team last year. 
and they're all there now, so he's not going there, and obviously you turn that down. The New York Jets can always use some help. Arizona, they got Larry Fitzgerald, and they they drafted a Christian Kirk, and they're going to give him, I think that Kirk is going to step in to that role, and I think eventually we're going to see Rosen as the number one, Kirk is the number one receiver for him. L.A., I mean, there's moves that they can make, but L.A.'s made a lot of moves and, and have made themselves better all over the field, and then the Detroit Lions, you know, I don't know if, if Patricia wants to deal with that, so you know, there's still a few teams on this list this late in the game that could make some sense, but you know, he has to, like you said, whatever his asking price is, whatever he's demanding, he needs to really take a step back. The hilarity of it all is the team that needs him the most is probably the Dallas Cowboys, but they're not going to retroactively go back and get him, one would think. Just like Dwayne Casey getting fired by Toronto and Toronto not hiring anybody for over a month and kind of going back and going, you know, I, I said to the fans, do you want them to just kind of go with their tail between their legs and go back to him? And a lot of fans were like, yeah, I hope they do, because why did they fire the guy? So, you know, it's just, it's funny how Dallas needs him and he needs Dallas, but nobody wants to pick this guy up right now. And, you know, I I think that we're heading toward training camp, like you said, Mike, without an injury. Is Des Bryant going to be on a football team this year? Yeah, I don't, again, I think that he needs something to happen. Something needs to give somewhere. There needs to be some sort of hole needs to come through the dam to let the rest of the water through because he needs an injury. He needs a retooling. He needs to go back hat in hand, you know, uh, more of a of a team role or more of a role player role, if you would. I, I think that, you know, if he accepts that initially, he could grow back into what he once was and what everybody thinks he could still be. But I don't think that many people still think he can still be that guy. Dallas had a lot going for him in the recent years with Ezekiel Elliott and with Dak Prescott. And if Dez couldn't show out with that, there's some other problems. So I think there there is a smallest, 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 and to use the words of Dumb and Dumber, you're saying there's a chance. There is an outside chance he could go back and re-sign with Dallas. But I don't think that's going to happen like you had pointed out. And, you know, everyone's settling in. You know, when the real mini camps start and things start to take shape and mold, mold in the teams and they start cutting players and players start to move around, I think just before the season starts might be a, a time where we see Dez latch on somewhere in some sort of role. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's going to have to kind of sit and wait. You know, we look at Terrell Owens, we look at Chad Ochocinco. He seems to be in line with those, does he not, Mike, of these guys that are, you know, working out in their driveway but not getting any phone calls. Yeah, you know, that, and, and you look at all those guys, what do they all have in common? They're all me. They're all me players. Like Keyshawn, you know, give me the damn ball. You know, hey, I'm special. Get the ball to me. You know, that doesn't that only goes so far so many times. That only works when you're winning. If if me, me, me results in win, 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 everybody's all about it. But if me, me, me doesn't result in wins, well, you're gonna find a job somewhere else. Yeah, and that's and that's where we sit right now with Des Bryant, is that he does not have a home and the question mark as to why, you know, people say, Listen, is he is he your third best? Is he your second best? You know, he makes sense in Cincinnati, too, because they don't have any logical help. But nobody has taken a flyer on this guy, and that's got to 
that's got to let you know something and be a little bit questionable about why exactly nobody wants to take a chance on him. Here with Mike Sofka in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. Head there for all of your sports watching needs, as well as food that you... There's so many different things on the menu that you can logically order something different pretty much every week of the year and still have to get something new the next week. So make sure you pop into the Wildcat Sports Pub. Great food, great atmosphere, family-friendly sports bar. Somehow they figured out a way to make it kid-friendly and a sports bar. I've never experienced it the way I've experienced it with them. So shout-out to Danny and Heather because I love working with people that, you know, they're innovative. They do good things, and they make it happen. And they really, when they say they're going to put something together, they put it together. So with that being said, we're putting together – our fantasy football advice for you, getting you ready for your draft coming up within the next month or two. And with that being said, we're going division by division. We started in the AFC, so we'll stay there. And we're going to the AFC East today. So we're going to break it down team by team inside of each division each week so that you have ample time to go through this. We're going to go to the names. We're going to go fourth, fifth string guys if we have to, to make sure that you can make a note of each team, each division on how well you can prepare yourself for your fantasy football draft. And that's what Mike and I are here for. So with that being said, Mike, let's hop into the AFC East. And we're going to start with the Patriots. What are your thoughts with the Patriots? Uh, Let's start. I mean, uh, (laughs) some teams it feels weird to say this because of who's there. But let's start with the quarterback situation. Your thoughts on fantasy value for New England? Yeah, I think that... um you're going to do well if you have a few key elements from the Patriots in your fantasy lineups on your roster. And, you know, that, that all starts with Tom Brady. I mean, you know, yeah, he's an old guy, but he's the wise old guy. He's the TB12 guy. He's the guy who's proven time after time, again and again, you know, over the long haul, even though he hasn't won every Super Bowl he's been in, he's been to quite a few of them and he's won quite a few of them. So, This is a guy who more times than not is going to get it done. This is a guy who, even though the relationship with Belichick is expressed through the media as tenuous at best, this is a guy who gets it done, gets it, and can make it happen. He can help the team march down the field. He can help your team make first downs. He can help your team score points. He's smart on the field. He's almost like having another coach on the field, a la Peyton Manning. This is a guy who, you know, has what it takes to be a winner in the NFL. And that's what it really comes down to. As a business, you have to win. And if you don't win in the NFL, you're not going to be around for long. And, of course, Tom Brady's proven he's a winner. That's why he's still around. Yeah, you know, and and, and where we are right now with Tom Brady, I mean, he's still going to make things happen. You know, this relationship with Bill Belichick seems kind of interesting how he's not really lying to anybody. He's saying no comment with different things. I, I find that to be, I find that to kind of make me take a step back a little bit and say, you know, our teams like Jacksonville, who were really close, do they have an opportunity this year and moving forward with, you know, the home of, of the Patriots not being as cozy as it once was? 
But Tom Brady, if he's going to be on your team, he's going to help you out. We know that this is a pass-first team. We know he's going to get you yardage. We know he's a pain in the butt to play against. And if for nothing else, if you don't like the Patriots, you don't like Tom Brady, it doesn't matter. When it comes to fantasy, if you want to win your games, you have to think about, do I want to have him playing for me or against me? And in the case of Tom Brady, you want him playing for you. Sony Michelle, James White, Jeremy Hill from Cincinnati, Rex Burkhead, Mike Gillisley, who had some good moments but then kind of sputtered out, and Brandon Bolden. There are six running backs on the New England Patriots. All of them got time last year outside of Sony Michelle, who is a rookie. Dare I say that they might have the most depth at running back that maybe they've ever had. What do you think about the running back situation in New England, how it affect how it affects your fantasy team. Well, I think in order to look at that, you got to look at what they did with their first pick, number twenty three overall, taking Isaiah Wynn, offensive tackle out of Georgia, and then of course they went and swapped the third and fifth round picks with the Forty ers for right tackle Trenton Brown. So, you know, here's the situation: they beefed up the line a little bit. Oh, and by the way, the guy they drafted, Isaiah Wynn. All New England did was go get his running back or one of the two-star running backs from the Georgia Bulldogs in Tony Michelle. Super fast guy. Get him the ball in space. Give him an opportunity. Give him multiple touches throughout the game. So I think the future is bright for New England with a playmaker like Sony Michelle who can score from anywhere, anytime without warning on the field. This is a guy who they're going to have returned some kicks as well, I'm sure, until he establishes himself as the full-time running back in New England. But that's the danger. New England never has a full-time running back. They have a full-time running back one play at a time. You never know. The guy may end up bagging groceries next week at the at the Kroger or something. You know, the guy could run for three, four touchdowns one week and never be heard from again and then be cut and never seen again. Sony Michelle has a great opportunity, and New England has a great opportunity. But you can't forget about guys like Rex Burkhead, who they brought in and who they just bumped up in pay to be one of those consistent guys, to be one of those pass-catching receivers. Mike Gillisley, the guy from Florida, the guy bounced around a little bit, and this looks like a, a you know, it looked like he was going to be the guy last year, but that never came through. So what did they do? They bring in Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill is a big back, a solid back. Maybe he's going to take the LeGarrette Blunt role. Maybe he's going to be the short down guy. Maybe he's going to be the red zone guy. So maybe if you're in a touchdown-only league, maybe that's the way you go. But you can't forget about James White. A few years ago, James White was thought to be the guy they were grooming to be that number one running back, and that hasn't panned out either. So with all that in mind, the bottom line is they're going to have a running game in New England. It may be a mixed bag of tricks. Be cautioned. Uh, going into drafts, but if you're in a dynasty situation, Sony Michelle is an excellent guy to add. I don't have to tell you that, but just be prepared for an up and down year, a committee situation, a situation where your guy might not touch the ball one game, and then the next week you bench him because he didn't touch the ball, and he goes out and runs for four touchdowns. So just keep all that in mind. Understand that's what you're getting into when you draft a running back from New England. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing. Mike brings up a good point, and, you know, that's why I was prefaced here is the fact that we're in a position right now when you look at this team, when you look at the New England Patriots and their rushing attack, that they do, like you said, they don't have they don't have a guy that they trust every single game. They have a guy that they trust from play to play. Sometimes it's James White, but not until the end of the season. And Jeremy Hill was 
wildly inconsistent in Cincinnati. Rex Burkhead had some good moments, but he got hurt, and sometimes he's like a fullback. Mike Gillisley started off the season as a number three guy, but looked like the number one guy in the first three weeks, and then he fell off. And Sony Michelle, like you said, they go and get the guy, Isaiah Wynn, who's blocking for him, and you get this kid who can do a lot of different things, change the pace, and make it happen for you. So, and I, and I think you can argue that Sonny Michelle is better than Nick Chubb. So, and they got him in the first round, which, you know, I don't, <laughs> when I think of the Patriots, I don't think of them using a first round pick on a running back. So that says a lot about the situation as well. So this is where we sit right now. And, and you know, these are guys that I think some people are going to take him early and take him quick. Someone's going to take Jeremy Hill because they're going to remember him from Cincinnati. Somebody's going to take Burkhead in the middle of the draft. Somebody's going to take James White late in the draft. They might not take Sony Michelle right away, but I will tell you this with utter certainty. Please, please understand that these guys are your third best back that you need to be taking because they can be interchangeable. I think Sony Michelle has the capability of, of breaking a game open and doing some amazing things, but he's with Tom Brady right now. And... He might be better served when they move forward without Belichick and Brady. So Sony can do some good things. Sony can make some things happen, but it's about protecting their quarterback who wants to throw the damn ball. So I like these running backs. I like their setup. Like I said, they could have the most depth that maybe they've ever had in New England. But with that being stated... This should not be your number one running back pick or your number two running back pick because you want a fantasy person who is going to be consistent. And the Patriots, even with a consistent running back, they don't allow them to be consistent because they could run for 10 yards, 12 yards, 15 yards, and then they put them on the bench for the rest of the game. That's just how they play. It doesn't make sense. doesn't have to. They win championships, so they don't have to explain themselves in, the, in their minds. So for fantasy, just understand there is talent there but that doesn't necessarily translate to consistency. Wide receivers, Mike, Julian Edelman, Chris Hogan, Kenny Britt is there now. Jordan Matthews is there now, who used to be with Philadelphia. Philip Dorsett, who used to be with the Colts. Corderell Patterson, who was on the Minnesota Vikings and fell off the face of the earth. The funny thing about Corderell Patterson is he is exactly the MO of the Patriots. Take a guy who made it to the NFL, who fell off the wagon and nobody has heard from since he got drafted, and he'll have seven touchdowns this year. What are your thoughts about these guys? Yeah, well, I'm really excited about you know a rookie who they got late. They got this rookie on day three, and that's Braxton Berrios from Miami. You know, he's a quick slot receiver. You know, he could see and he could make an impact right away. Because don't forget, Julian Edelman's gone down. You know, that Wes Welker-type role is up for grabs at times due to injury, and it gets played a lot. If you can play in the slot in New England, you're going to have success. But you got to be one of those hybrid guys. You may see them line up Sony Michelle in the slot as a receiver, you know, with a Rex Burkhead in the backfield. Then what do you do? So, you know, Julian Edelman's, a, you know, an outstanding receiver to have on your team. But remember, he's been injury-prone He's getting up there in age, but he's still the number 24 receiver, so he's a bottom-end two, high-end three on my draft board. Chris Hogan's going to be Chris Hogan. He's going to have peaks and valleys. That's what he's had. And, you know, you spoke about a few things there about guys that are in the NFL, spent some time, you know, jostled around, haven't quite made it happen. There's five guys that I'm going to name next that all fit that M.O. 
and you're dead on. New England's popular for taking guys who couldn't be successful elsewhere, maximizing their potential, putting them in a position to be successful. That's key, and that's the wizardry of a Bill Belichick. But you take a guy like a Jordan Matthews, didn't pan out in, in Philly. You take a guy like Philip Dorsett, and it was spotty in Indianapolis. You take a guy like Kenny Britt, who, well, this is a guy who never got it done in Tennessee. And, and, and then you keep on going. You go with a guy like a Malcolm Mitchell. You go with a guy like a Cordero Patterson, like we talked about. Looked like an outstanding return man and maybe a third receiver. The only problem is they brought him into Minnesota to be a number one receiver. So I think the opportunity is there. I think one, if not more than one of those guys that I just mentioned in the five are going to get squoze out due to numbers. But obviously a Braxton Barrios is going to stay. I think a Jordan Matthews and a Cordero Patterson is going to stay. So if I had my guess, who's going to be the odd man out? It's going to be one of the three in Dorsett, Britt, or Mitchell. So that'll be an interesting battle. But, you know, when it comes to the receivers in New England, you know, they're usually going to put up some numbers. I think those players are a little more consistent than the running backs on a week-to-week basis throughout the season. But, you know, it's going to be spotty at best at times. Julian Edelman seems to be your best bet for New England. Yeah, and we look at the fact that Julian Edelman, uh, really quick here, Mike, what are your thoughts on, I mean, he he has a four-game suspension. uh, He's appealing it. The funny thing about the way that things are written, though, is that when a player has a four-game suspension, the stories are written like, this person's guilty. He's not going to be here for four games. When Julian Edelman's story was written, it was like, it's a four-game suspension, but let's figure it out. Let's talk about it. Let's see what we could do. Maybe it was a mistake. Who knows? And I was joking about it yesterday that when the Patriots get a four-game suspension, it just seems like, I mean, and Tom Brady fought his tooth and nail, but you know, for Edelman, it, it almost seems like everybody's like, wait a minute, maybe he didn't do anything, where if this was any other team, they'd be like, guilty, 100% guilty. What do you think about the suspension? It's all about image. It's all about perception. It's all about how people choose to receive that information and depends on the spin that the media puts on it. Julian Edelman's a likable guy, much like a Wes Welker. You know, there's certain guys that can't get away with the same thing. If it was a Randy Moss or if it was a Des Bryant, we'd be we'd be really bad mouthing one of these guys. But, you know, it's a Julian Edelman. A guy seems to have a you know, a, a sparkling clean uh, you know, r- resume, as far as I know, and, and, unless I'm in the wrong here, but this is a guy who seems a squeaky clean guy, seems to be a guy like a, you know, a, a long-term guy who gets it in the NFL and just got caught up, and, you know, it's a shame he's going to do his time and move on. They're not going to make a bigger thing out of it than what it is, and, you know, you, you just have to realize if you're taking a Julian Edelman, you're not going to be with him for just those four games. You're going to miss him for five games because they're going to have a bye coming up as well. So now you're missing a guy for five out of 13 weeks. Not quite half. What is that, 39%, 40%, something like that? So now you got to adjust the rest of your roster for that fact. That's why a Julian Edelman's only a number 24 on my list instead of being higher up. Yeah, you know, and, and that makes perfect sense because when a guy's out for four games, we know what it could do with a team, Ezekiel Elliott, Dallas Cowboys. So... You know, Chris Hogan, I think, you know, if this suspension is upheld, that, you know, Chris Hogan could be one of those guys who has gone through injury and gone through some tough times, but he's out of Monmouth, and he has been 
someone who is going to be low on people's radars, but he's going to catch touchdowns. There's something about these guys that they bring in, the Hogans, the Edelmans, the Welkers, the Amendolas. They make it happen. Amendola's not there anymore, so look to Chris Hogan in this. Kenny Britt is wildly inconsistent, so I would not lean on him. Jordan Matthews is kind of interesting here for me because Jordan Matthews is like a seventh-round pick in a, in a fantasy draft. And so I kind of, I like this. I like that he's a free agent. He's leaving Buffalo. There was nothing there. There was no big time game. There was no deep passes. He's now on a team with a guy who can throw the ball. So it'll be interesting to see what Jordan can do. Philip Dorsett, I'm going to keep the jury out on him. I put him out on waivers, free agency. And Corderell Patterson, same thing. Matt Slater, it'll be, it'll be, for me, he was an all-pro second for special teams. So this is not a guy that's going to be every single week for you, consistency. Braxton Berrios, I like this. You know, I covered Braxton in Miami when he was playing for the Hurricanes. So I like Braxton Berrios as someone who could be a real sneaky pick that most people are going to forget about if you're not listening to this show. So your best bets are Chris Hogan and Jordan Matthews. Your sleepers, Braxton Berrios, in my opinion. And Mike, can we can we talk about the fact that not only is Isaiah Wynn on the same team as Sony Michelle, but offensively, not on defense, but just on offense for the Patriots. Can we look at one of the MOs? Maybe we're figuring out Bill Belichick's drafting. You know, we, we call him a guru, and he's he's smart at these decisions he makes, but maybe we're figuring out his formula. Sony Michelle, Georgia, running back on their team. Going down the line here, Malcolm Mitchell, Georgia as well. We go down a little bit more. Isaiah Wynn, left tackle, Georgia. David Andrews, center, Georgia. Shaq Mason, Georgia Tech, is right guard for them. So three out of their five guys on the offensive line as starters are from the state of Georgia playing football. And then we have Ulrich John, who's a backup tackle from Georgia State. So maybe we figured out something with Billy Belichick, and maybe that's maybe that's he shows a little bit of little bit of love for that great state of Georgia when push comes to shove. Yeah, anywhere you know, Belichick's famous for his coaching connections, especially with the SEC coaches. And that's real important because that's where it seems a lot of the high-quality players are coming from. You know, and not just the SEC, but the Southeast in general as far as high school players who have that D1 talent and are eligible to go to big-name schools. You know, uh, you know, uh, a place not many guys could go when they're born and raised in the South, maybe a Stanford or somewhere like that. But you notice that most of the picks are coached in the SEC. You know, that he takes guys from Florida. He's always had a good rapport with coaches in the SEC, a Saban. He can get the inside track on guys by just picking up the phone and calling the coach, his old buddy in the SEC, and there's quite a few of his buddies, and get the real inside track on guys. And I see it time and time again. You know, Belichick takes these guys that are going to fit what they're trying to accomplish in New England. It may not be the same guy that the other 31 teams would have even thought of but it's going to fit what Belichick is looking to do. And if he was wrong, he's not going to admit it. He's just going to get rid of him. Absolutely. And with that being said, we're going to take a step aside. Speaking of getting rid of him, we're going to, we're going to take a step aside here, go to a fast break, and we will come back here in just a moment. And when we do, we will cover the rest of the AFC East, get you ready for your fantasy football drafts. The Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills are on the clock in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. 
This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily. You know, we bring in local produce. We prepare to order in the kitchen. We hand bread our chicken. We hand spin our milkshakes. It's it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here, which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. For one day only, Sunday, August 12th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., the CNY Pop Festival brings sports and pop entertainers together, including Syracuse basketball's Decades of Bayheim, from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. to Daywan Coleman, as well as Syracuse football alumni and actors from The Flash, Star Wars, The Gremlins, Power Rangers, and The Addams Family. Come to the CNY Pop Festival at the F Shed at the Regional Market. Buy VIP and pre-sale tickets now on cnypopfestival.com. Brought to you by Honda City Liverpool, Utica Pizza Company, and True by Hilton Camillus. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or hondacity-cny.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing.
Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. We are inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour, proudly brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub on 3680 Milton Avenue in Camillus, New York, in the Home Depot Plaza. To all the leagues in Syracuse and Central New York that call Wake Up Call home, thank you so much. We all draft at the Wildcat Sports Pub, and it is a blessing and a privilege, and we thank them so much for opening their doors to us and being that family-friendly sports bar where you can bring the kids and bring the draft, grab a beer, get some food, and hang out with the family all in the same time, and everybody functions collectively, peacefully. I love it. I think it's great. I, I love the atmosphere of it. It's taken us a long time to find a truly great place in central New York for our drafts. And so thank you to the Wildcat Sports Pub, a local sports pub and family-friendly restaurant that you can bring your kids to. Heck, your kids can draft if they'd like to. And, you know, in the case of, of Mike Sofka, his kid does draft, Trey Sofka. He's inside of our draft as well that's down in Florida. So we're continuing on in the AFC East division, getting you ready for fantasy football and for your drafts. We're going team by team division by division, week by week, so that you have everything you need. Next up on the docket, the New York Jets. Dare I ask you, Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com, do the Jets have a lot to offer in fantasy? Well, yeah, they do, but I think it's more on a dynasty side. I think that, um, you know, Sam Darnold is going to be a, you know, a long-term decent quarterback i think they're just going to rely on him too much too early and demand too much out of him i think they're going to thrust him into the spotlight and if they don't and if they you know and that's a popular way to go but you know in this now business that we have in this microwave and facebook society that we're in where we need instant gratification the fans are very impatient you guys spent a number three pick on this guy that everybody thought was going number one. We want to see him. So, you know, it's just a matter of how they handle it and how Sam picks things up. You know, the progressions, the reads, and the speed, the timing. Everything's a little bit askew in the NFL. Now, Josh McCallum's the perfect guy to groom him and help him along. But look out for Teddy Bridgewater. This is a guy who could make an impact if he's allowed to. This is a guy who was the starter in Minnesota before the injury and before Case Keenum came in and rescued the day. This is a guy who still has some capabilities, and it's going to be interesting, you know, a year and a half or so removed from that knee operation. So this is a guy who can still get it done. They may end up shipping him off somewhere else for some value later on, depending on who falls where. But the bottom line is still the bottom line. You're not going to find tremendous value in a Jets quarterback immediately. If you have patience or if you're in a dynasty league, Sam Darnold's your guy at quarterback. Yeah, you know, when we're looking at the quarterback situation for the New York Jets, the thing that works in your favor in my leagues in the wake-up call fantasy football challenge and the one we have down in Florida as well as the four that we have here in central New York, you get the team quarterback, which means you're not drafting Josh McCown and then somebody else is drafting Teddy and somebody else is drafting Sam. If you draft the Jets quarterback, you're getting all of them. So if Sam Darnold, if the quarterback starts out and it's Josh McCown, he has a rough couple weeks, Teddy Bridgewater comes in, he throws five interceptions, then Sam Darnold comes in and he's got two touchdowns a game, he's keeping his interceptions down, you get all three of those guys. So I do think there's some value here with the Jets. I want to see what Sam Darnold can do. To be completely honest with you, he's one of those quarterbacks I might grab and stash on my team and be like, you know what? 
Let me keep him for a couple weeks. Let me see what happens. I'm going to pay close attention to training camp in the preseason and see who's the starter going to be for sure and then kind of just ride it out because eventually it's going to be Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's not a bad guy to have as your second or third quarterback, and I think it's safe to say for team quarterbacks, throw him on there as like your third guy, and you should be good to go. Don't leave him out on the waiver wire. If he's there late, might as well take him, give him an opportunity because I think that you – know, I just I have a good feeling that – and I know this isn't saying much, but I think that the Jets quarterback situation is going to be better than it's been in at least recent history. As far as the running backs go, Isaiah Crowell, who's coming over from the Cleveland Browns, who's done almost nothing. Bilal Powell, who's been on the team forever, who's done relatively not a lot and is very inconsistent. But I like Bilal, and he's great to interview. Work-wise, on the field, for fantasy, not very consistent. Thomas Rawls, who came from Central Michigan, who I think is a very strong running back, often gets injured and has gotten injured in Seattle. And then the guy that kind of came came running onto literally the field, Elijah McGuire, last year. He was drafted in the sixth round in the 2017 draft out of Louisiana Lafayette, and he stepped up a little bit, and he could be a potential spark for the team. So what do you think about these four guys, Mike? Yeah, I think at running backs where, you know, for me anyway, there's some questions. Um, you know, Isaiah Crowell was brought in. He, I've always liked him out of Georgia big powerful legs can really drive he's a big back you know but he he has finesse to his run as well so he can get and you can get him the ball in space below powell's inconsistent he, he was thought to carry the load last year uh couldn't do it all uh dinged up a bit elijah mcguire steps in the, the young guy uh they're bringing him about slower but you know, I think he's slowly coming around. He could be the number one guy come the end. But they also brought in a Thomas Rawls as well. He was spotty in Seattle with that committee situation with guys going down every other week. They went through like four or five running backs there in Seattle last year or so. And, of course, through the draft, they brought in out of Virginia State a Trenton Cannon. You know, I don't know a lot, a lot about Trenton, but I can tell you that if the Jets drafted him, it's a desperate pick. You know, I don't know. I don't think there was much left on the board running back-wise at that 204th pick. I think it was a roster filler at that point. So, But you never know, and maybe he'll explode on the scene. You know, That's the great and exciting thing about playing fantasy football is you get to see these guys from, from their birth, from the draft, to their toddler and teenage years as they, they develop, and some develop quicker than others. Then, boom, all of a sudden they're an adult and they're in a Pro Bowl. Yeah, so I mean, when we look at this this rushing attack, like I said, the you know Elijah McGuire had some good moments, but these are guys that are I mean Crowell's inconsistent, Powell's inconsistent, Rawls inconsistent, McGuire's inconsistent. So I don't trust any of these guys to be a top dog for you, nor do I trust them to be fantasy studs for you. They, I mean, if you're going to get Darnold and grab and stash and think that Darnold can help out some of these guys to expand their game then that's something to do. But the guy that drafts Belial Powell in the first six or seven rounds, even the eighth round, I always look at him and I, I kind of shake my head. And I'm like, dude, are you serious? And he's like, hey, you know, that's what I want to do, Dan. And I was like, okay, well, you know what? Thank you for taking him off the board. There's no chance I was going to take him. There's certain guys I will not take. Belial Powell is one of them. And, you know, one of the other guys I won't touch with a 10-foot pole is Eddie Lacy. And he was in the top 10 in some of the books that I had last year. He he just barely made like my top 40. So, and look at what he did last year. So for the Jets, as far as I'm concerned, 
I don't really have a lot of faith in anybody there being a fantasy consistent player for you. As far as the receivers go, though, they got a nice receiving core, Mike. They have Andre Roberts, who came over from Atlanta. They have Ardarius Stewart, who played at Alabama, and he was drafted in the third round in 2017. They have Quincy Inunua, who looked to be their third guy a couple years ago, then was fighting to be their first guy and ended up getting hurt last year, so he's coming off injury. Terrell Pryor is there, who was underutilized in Washington, so he could have some good mileage still left. Jermaine Curse is on the team from a trade with Seattle, and Robbie Anderson, who I picked up during the season, and he helped me out to win at least two or three weeks last year. What do you think about the receivers? Yeah, I think they have some names that you know are, are, are filling spots. I think that these guys are all capable of putting up some sort of numbers because one of the two guys in you or or Robbie Anderson are going to be the number one guy and I, I think it's going to be more Robbie Anderson as Quincy comes back from that from that injury the bottom line though is a lot of people are going to forget about Quincy and you which means that you could grab a Robbie Anderson or somebody on that same level and then come back a couple rounds later and get a Quincy and you because a lot of people are going to forget about this guy but the guy that's most intriguing to me on the roster is Terrell Pryor. I think Terrell Pryor, everyone was hyped on him thinking he was going to have a huge year last year. It didn't happen, and now he's in New York. This is another re-blossoming of Terrell Pryor. I think if he can get himself a position to play on the field just due to his athletic ability in the slot, I think if they can get him the ball out in a, you know, like a, like a Julian Edelman role, just get him the ball. He can do a lot. He's a mismatch with speed on a linebacker and he's a mismatch with size on a cornerback or a safety. So this is a, this is a guy you want to line up to play the mismatches and to help you get first downs. I think Terrell Pryor is the best value pick out of all of them. I think Robbie Anderson's the number one guy and I think Quincy and you was the sleeper guy who you end up taking real late. Yeah, I think Robbie Anderson has earned the right to be one of those guys that you can kind of sneaky pick earlier on in the draft. And I think, you know, Quincy Inunua, because he's coming off of injury, people are going to forget about him. And he's not a guy to, I mean, you, you could go like 13th, 14th round, and you could be like, oh, you know, I'm going to take Quincy Inunua. And people would be like, does he even play football? And you would just laugh it off and say, yeah, he does. He was actually pretty good. And just let it be what it is. The people that do their research, and Mike, I don't know if you found this in drafts, but the people that do their research and know what the hell they're talking about, know what they're doing, and you know what, there there is, you know, you never know what's going to happen in a season, but there's quality and there's something to be said about doing your homework. Do you not find that, like, because I see it, that when you and I do our homework, there's always somebody in the draft that's like laughing it off going, that's a crazy pick, nobody would pick that. Do you get a sense of that as well? that when you do your homework, sometimes people are like, oh, my God, Mike, you're totally off the wall, and you're just kind of smirking inside your own head. I see it three different ways. I see it usually a way like like you just described there. But I also see it where, you know, I, I someone else jumps up and takes the guy that I knew shouldn't be drafted till the seventh round, but they take him in the third because he went to their school or, you know, he's on their favorite team or whatever, or, or, or the girl from accounting that's in the league that's never played fantasy football likes it because he has a Q in his name or something like that, you know, and, and then it just blows your mind, but you got to move on from that and adjust in the draft. And then on the other side of it is where, you know, I'm waiting for a guy to fall to a certain round because I know his average draft position but I snap them up just like a half round or a round before that to make 
I get him. And then I feel like I've outsmarted some people in the room. So you got to know your draft room. If you don't, you got to take some chances either way. And not everything is going to go according to plan, but how you adjust and how you react to those plans in the draft room, whether you're drafting with polished and, and researched and, and well-versed players or whether you're just, you know, in a, in a totally for fun league and it's not, you know, any big deal, you know, there's still a sense of pride for me. I want to win all the time. So you got to be prepared for all those inevitable things to happen. Absolutely. And, and I think that Robbie Anderson is worth the take in, you know, sixth or seventh round, something like that, maybe even a little bit sooner, depending on how many wide receivers go. And, you know, I keep a close look for Terrell Pryor on the waiver wire. Jermaine Kerr's probably going to get passed over, but I, I agree with Mike. I think it's Anderson and then Anunwa, and then we go from there. I am keeping an eye on our Darius Stewart, though, because I want to see where he fits into the whole mix of things coming from Alabama. It just intrigues me if, if he really doesn't get that much opportunity, as well as Sharon Peak, who came from Clemson. So Sharon Peak, I mean, he might not make the team. So you just have to sit and watch and wait. But I like Robbie Anderson. And, and like I said, he bailed me out more than once last year, and I did not draft him. I picked him up after the fact. Uh, Miami, Mike, looking at the Miami Dolphins, keeping with our AFC East Fantasy Football Power Hour coverage to get people ready for their drafts. Ryan Tannehill, Brock Osweiler's in Miami now. Bryce Petty's in Miami now, and so is David Fales. What do you think about this entire situation? There is no more Matt Moore. There is no more Jay Cutler. Ryan Tannehill is coming back from an injury that kept him out all of last season and change. What do you think about this? Yeah, this is a rough scenario for Miami. Number one, I I, I don't like the direction Tannehill's been going, injury or no injury. You know, now that they've uh, lost Jarvis Landry, which now we're finding out later that uh, apparently Jarvis and Tannehill weren't always on the same page on a lot of things, so... You know, Julius Thomas is no longer on a team. He was thought to save things through the Adam Gates uh, offense. And just a lot of bad things happened in Miami the past couple years. Brock Osweiler's not the answer. You know, Bryce Petty's not the answer. Brian Tannehill, I'm sorry, folks, he's not the answer. You know, you better come with a backup plan if you're considering a Miami quarterback. And I wouldn't be surprised to see Miami add another quarterback after cuts are made. Yeah, you know, I just... For Miami, if Tannehill gets hurt again, they're dead in the water. And like you said, I mean, with Ryan Tannehill, just what he's been doing, I I didn't, I never believed in him the first couple seasons. I didn't think he was. I shouldn't say I didn't believe in him. That's I want to reword that. I didn't think that he was a starting quarterback in the NFL, in my opinion. And then all of a sudden, he got a little bit better, and I was like, oh okay. And then he was earning some respect from me, and then he got hurt. So. I'm not a huge fan of Miami in and of itself because Miami has consistently, since the loss of Zach Thomas, Jason Taylor, they have shed everything that's good. Jay Ajayi, they just let him go win a Super Bowl, so that's good for Jay. You know, they let Jarvis Landry go. They seem to not. They seem to always be rebuilding on top of the rebuilding, rebuilding of the rebuilding year. So, I'm not a big fan of the quarterback situation. And if Tannehill goes down, they're in a lot of trouble. So, there we stand. I think Bryce Petty might be better than the Jets showed him to be, but I don't know if that amounts to more than, I don't know, four or five wins. Kenyon Drake, Frank Gore is there now. Frank Gore is 115 years old, and he's still playing football, and I'm very proud of that. Frank Gore, Kenyon Drake, uh, Sonoris Perry is there now. He was a free agent. 
coming out of Louisville, so he's there. What do you think about the backfield? Because Kenyon Drake did some nice things, at least at certain points last season. Yeah, it appears they want Kenyon Drake to be the guy. They see something there, but they stole Callum Ballage in the, in the fourth round. You know, this is a guy who comes out of Arizona State who they thought would be the guy right behind Frank Gore. You know, Kenyon Drake's going to have every opportunity to fail here, though. I think Frank Gore was a sentimental thing, a hometown guy. Uh, you know, so this is an opportunity for him to get some goal line touches and, and just run until he, you know, pulls a, you know, pulls a hamstring or, or, or falls down in the shower from trying to get to his walker. You know, this is a situation where Frank Gore is going to be on the team. He's going to be more the locker room, the leader guy, the guy who helps bring about a Sonoris parody, a Kalen Ballage. This is the guy who can lead a Kenyon Drake and help these guys in the running back room before a game. Yeah, you know, I think Kenyon Drake makes makes some sense to put on your team as a nice backup. I think that with the questionable and the inconsistency in the passing game with Miami, that they will lean on the run a little bit more. We saw them lean on it more than I expected them to last year. So, you know, with Kenyon Drake, I think that he's not a bad pickup for you. Frank Gore, we'll see. But Sonoris Perry, keep your eye on him because he'll probably end up, he'll probably end up after the draft just sitting out there. So that is something to look to. But Kenyon Drake, I like him as a backup. I like him as a piece of that one-two punch because they they seemed more and more comfortable letting him have the ball last year. Wide receivers, Devontae Parker, Kenny Stills. They had some good moments. They're up and down. Albert Wilson's a free agent from Kansas City. Danny Amendola, usually they leave all the teams of the, of the AFC East to go to the Patriots, but this time Danny's going there to the Miami Dolphins from the Patriots. And then, you know, they have Isaiah Ford from Virginia Tech and so on and so forth. What do you think about the Amendola, Wilson, Stills, and Parker situation for Miami? Yeah, I think Kenny Stills needs to bounce back. I think Devontae Parker needs to show he's the man everybody thought he was going to be. And, you know, you just take away the guy who's caught you know, who's had more receptions the past several years than anybody else in the league and, and a Jarvis Landry, you're going to feel that impact. I mean, I don't think a Leonte Carew or Jaquin Grant are, are ready to step up. I wonder what Amadola is going to, or Albert Wilson is going to be able to do after their injury riddled career so far. So again, it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge if Parker and still step up. The thing I'm most excited about is it looks like they finally got, a couple tight ends to help them out going with this two tight end theory that a lot of teams are going with in a Mike Gusecki and, 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 um, you know, Durham Smythe. I think that Smythe is more the blocker. Gusecki is the more athletic guy. He's going to go up and get some, get some balls. And he's the guy that's one of the rookie guys who you want to target for getting a tight end. Let's say all the top tight ends are gone and, and, and you want to pick somebody up, you, you know, you didn't get to fill your position. He's the guy you may be able to wait on late unless you're in a room with a bunch of Dolphins fans. Yeah, you know, I, I think with this team, and, and, you know, we haven't really spoken too much on the tight ends, but, you know, for me, I think, I think for, you know, Miami side of things that we're going to have to look at in the receiving core, you know, Devontae Parker's not bad, but he is inconsistent. Kenny Stills seemed to be the guy that Jay Cutler liked to air out to and give him some opportunities. Amendola's going to be a question mark. You know, I think he's someone that might slip a little bit here. He's not a bad guy to pick up. He's been in the league for a few years now. He's been. This is his 10th year that he's been in the league. This is his decade time. So just make note of that. But Stills and Parker, I don't think they're bad. I don't think that they're draft 
worthy of top four rounds, but I think that at some point in the fifth or sixth round, you can make a move on these guys and see where they go. As far as the tight ends, they have A.J. Derby, who came off of waivers from Denver, and Mike Gusecki from Penn State. You know, I, I kind of just I look to these guys and is you know Mike Gusecki, so to speak, and say, okay, you know what? Do we, do we take a flyer on this knowing that, you know, sometimes quarterbacks will lean heavily on their tight ends, but Ryan Tannehill was not a guy to really do that. Anthony Fasano didn't make a lot of hay when he went to Miami, so that's something you have to look out for. I always look at, when I'm talking about tight ends, because I don't expect them to have 60 yards a game, I don't expect them to have a touchdown every single game, I don't expect everybody to be like Travis Kelsey and Rob Gronkowski and, and whatnot, so when it comes to this, I'm always looking at when a quarterback's in trouble, who is he throwing that ball to? Is he going over the middle to his tight end, or is he checking it down and going to his running back that's a couple yards away? And I don't trust Ryan Tannehill is going to lean heavily on his tight end, but it is something to watch and look out for because I don't think that Mike Gusecki, you know, will be drafted in, in all the drafts that you're a part of this year. To go back to the Jets, Eric Tomlinson and Clive Walford, you know, these are other question marks as well. Clive came from uh, waivers from Oakland in April of this year. He's most likely, more than likely, I would think him or Jordan Leggett are going to be the guys that will get the opportunities out there for the Jets but there's nobody there that I'm really leaning on and saying, yeah, you definitely have to go out and get them. And then a quick look at the New England Patriots, since we didn't speak on their tight end situation, I think it's I think it's fair to say and easy to say for us it's Rob Gronkowski, and you know, people are gonna draft him. I will tell you though that he does get injured, and you know, he he hasn't felt as wonderful as he has in the past. So the people that draft him in the first round, I'm gonna let you do that. The people that draft him at the top of the second round, I'm going to let you do that too because I don't think that Rob Gronkowski is worth that high of a move, especially with some things recently in his career. But, you know, he's one of the best of the best that's out there at tight end. Final team we're going to touch on here in the AFC East, getting you ready for your fantasy football draft inside of the Fantasy Football Power Hour with Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. Brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York. We have the Buffalo Bills, and we will start the conversation with A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen. A.J. finally got a job that wasn't Cincinnati. He finally got let go when he was fighting for them to give him an opportunity to be a free agent, and then they draft Josh Allen. What do you think about this scenario? Well, I think Buffalo didn't think they were going to be able to draft you know, one of these big four uh, quarterbacks. I didn't think they thought one of them was going to drop down far enough for them and then you know the trading the swapping of picks when they shipped uh, Cordy Glenn to the to the uh, Cincinnati they were able to move up and then without trading the 22 pick this year or next year's first round pick so you know here's the deal Josh Allen hasn't been the most accurate guy at Wyoming he had subpar you know competition and his completion rate wasn't what they thought it should be his his saving grace is hand size. He's got big hands, which enables him to grip the ball, especially in a cold weather uh, town like a Buffalo. So this is a chance that he could get on the field earlier rather than late, because even though he's had issues with inaccuracy and that, that kind of held him back, some coaches you know, take that as a challenge upon themselves, and I think the Bills see the good. I think they see the glass half full here, not half empty. And I feel bad for A.J. McCarron because I think they brought him in thinking that he could put a, 
you know, a, a, a Band-Aid on his situation for another year until they're able to get a quarterback. Then they were able to fall to – Josh Allen was able to fall to them, and it worked out. So I think Josh Allen is going to end up being your guy there, and I think A.J. McCarron's going to be uh, mired in mediocrity once again as a backup. Yeah, and that's, and that's the sad part of everything here is that we finally thought, and we're going to see A.J. McCarron get out there and, and do his thing and see – what he's worth, and, and now Josh Allen's hanging in the balance, and you know those Bills fans are not going to be patient with what's going on, so I would anticipate Josh Allen would be out there. I don't think this is a bad pickup as a backup. I don't think that it's your number one quarterback, but as a backup, I don't think it's a bad pickup because there are some weapons there, and it's not Tyrod Taylor, and my hope is that Josh Allen will throw the long ball, which we saw him do on film. I know we talk about his consistency and whatnot, but I know that he could beam this ball, and I want to see that happen in Buffalo for those Buffalo Bills fans that are desperate to see the ball get moved up and down the field. LaShawn McCoy, Chris Ivory, who came from the Jaguars, Traveris Cadet, who is a free agent from the Jets, Tywan Jones, who's a free agent from Oakland, all on the team right now. Marcus Murphy got some time as a free agent from the Jets as well. What do you think about the running back situation now that they kept LaShawn McCoy and brought in Chris Ivory? I think Chris Ivory is going to be a role player. I think Taiwan Jones will be a role player if he's still on the roster. I think LaShawn McCoy is still going to be the guy. He's their beast mode, if you would. I, I know Marshawn Lynch is long gone from there, but this is a, this is a guy who can lead the team on the rushing attack. The challenges and the reason why I have him ranked where I do as the number 12 in a redraft league as far as running backs goes, that's a bottom end one or a high end two. This is a guy who they're going to rely on a lot. This is a guy who's probably going to see eight guys in the box because of the rookie quarterback situation. And because I don't think any of the receivers strike fear into any opposing defenses, I know we're going to talk about receivers in a minute, but. I got LaShawn McCoy still capable, still capable of leading your team. Just you got to temper those expectations. No longer a top five back. It's a low end one, high end two. Yeah, you know, for me to to look at the situation for the Buffalo Bills, you know, LaShawn McCoy, somebody's going to draft him high, and especially in Central New York when we do the drafts here. But, you know, I like LaShawn McCoy. I think that this is one of those guys that, God bless him, he's found longevity. He's found success later on in his career. He didn't start out hot and then taper off. He has continued to be, uh, you know, the best player offensively by far for the Bills for the last couple of years. And Chris Ivory, like you said, he'll be a role player. Tywan Jones, if he's still on the team, I agree with you. He'll be a role player. So it's really, for me, it's LaShawn McCoy to draft. And and people are going to draft him high. And I don't discredit any of that because LaShawn McCoy has impressed me when he went to Buffalo. Wide receivers, Calvin Benjamin, Zay Jones, if he can keep himself out of trouble. I like this kid. I covered this kid out of East Carolina. I spent time with this kid. He is the number one all-time leading reception yard wide receiver in the history of the NCAA and you know he I think he was on a team with again Tyrod Taylor who's not going to beam the ball down the field so he looked relatively quiet but Calvin Benjamin the hope is that he's healthy now Zay Jones is there and then after that it's just kind of a whole lot of blah I mean it's I mean we don't know what we're going to get and that's what I mean by that Austin Prohl from North Carolina Ray Ray McLeod from Clemson they were both drafted extremely late in this year's draft, then you have uh, Rod Streeter, who's coming over from San Fran. He went to Temple. We have Kalen Clay, who is a free agent from Carolina. Jeremy Curley, who spent time with the Jets. 
Andre Holmes, who was a free agent from Oakland who came over last year. So I'm focusing and zeroing in my fantasy energy on Benjamin and Jones. What do you think about this? Yeah, I, you know, I, I wonder about those receivers. I wonder if they're a, a you know, a, a young crew who's going to get it together here in the next year or so and, and prove me wrong. But Kelvin Benjamin, the injury, you know, kind of held him up for a year and a half. Zay Jones, I think, is a tremendous talent. You know, you're under his belt here. He's still figuring it out. And, and the rest are just names. I mean, Andre Holmes, Kalen Clay, Rod Streeter, uh, Jeremy Curley, these are all has-beens and also rands. I think the guys who are more of a lock to make the roster are the Ray Ray McLeods, the Austin Prohl, and the Robert Fosters. These are guys that are young and come from decent programs. Ray Ray McLeod coming from Clemson and Austin Prohl out of North Carolina. Even though they were picked late, they were still picked. And these are guys who could develop. Remember, a lot of times the learning curve for the NFL receivers is three years. So you got to have patience if you go with one of these guys. So the value is is a where you take a, a, a Calvin Benjamin, a where you take a Zay Jones. Unfortunately, I don't have any one of those guys rated as a receiver one through three. So they're bottom end receivers. And a part of that is because of the new quarterback situation in Buffalo. Yeah, you know, and and to look at this, you know, this this Buffalo situation, you don't know what you're going to get. Like Mike said, you know, it's a new quarterback situation. I I'm, I'm anticipating and hoping for the long ball and for them to air it out. You know, for for you know, if I'm speaking on the side of Buffalo Bills fans, they want to see the game open up a little bit instead of just being this tight game. And you know, for Calvin Benjamin, he was supposed to be the number one guy in Carolina. They traded him away for almost nothing. And he has been injured. He has not stepped up. But he could be the number one guy here. He's supposed to be the number one guy here. I'm looking to Zay Jones. Keep yourself out of trouble. Focus in, zero in, and do what you have to do. There's a reason why you lead the NCAA forever in career reception yards. Go show the NFL why that is. You don't have the opportunity to make a mistake two years in a row because it will be forgotten after that. So for for Zay Jones, this team, anybody could be the number one guy. So Zay Jones, you could take him late. Eighth round, ninth round, whatever. Calvin Benjamin, somebody's going to take him early. Probably a Bills fan. That's okay. Let it go. He's not consistently healthy, and that is a big concern for me. Jeremy Curley, we know he could do some good things, but from Andre Holmes to Jeremy Curley, these are guys that are usually on the waiver wire or in free agency. Austin Prohl and Ray Ray McLeod are going to try and make this team. We're going to see what happens. I hope the best for them. But really, honestly... Zay Jones, if I had to pick any of these guys, that's the guy I would lean on. But I'm not leaning on him until the 8th or the ninth round. I may not lean on him at all. He may be my flex player, but he probably will not be until he shows me so, my number one or my number two receiver. And then as far as tight ends, I think Mike and I can both agree that Charles Clay is is a nice, uh, nice guy to have there. And Nick O'Leary, who played at Florida State, how about that backup? If Miami or Miami, if Buffalo can figure out a way to utilize both these guys, I think we could see Buffalo moving the ball down the field with some of their tight ends, especially with their question marks at wide receiver. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, contemporary expectations. It is Charles Clay. It is Nick O'Leary. These guys, you know, again, aren't top guys. You know, a, a, a Charles Clay is a, is a bottom end tight end too for me, and the Nick O'Leary is a guy who still may show value in a keeper or dynasty league as a real low-end expectation wire pickup for you. 
Yeah, so not high players, but, you know, Charles Clay seems to be sometimes the most consistent thing that Miami had, and since then the most consistent thing that Buffalo's had outside of LaShawn McCoy. With that being said, Mike Sofka, Hall of Fame, FantasyFootball.com. He is here with us in the Fantasy Football Power Hour, brought to you by the Wildcat Sports Pub every single Thursday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., and you can catch him once again on Hall of Fame FantasyFootball.com. We are breaking down each team by division. We cover the North, we cover the East. Next week is the West. Mike, as always, I appreciate your time. Sounds great, Dan. Thanks so much. See you next time. Take care. And coming from Mike Sofkin one more time. We'll take a quick step aside, get you ready for tomorrow's show in just a moment. This is a wake up call, fast break. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. This is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or a wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. For one day only, Sunday, August 12th from 10 a.m. to 7 p.m., the CNY Pop Festival brings sports and pop entertainers together, including Syracuse basketball's Decades of Bayheim, from Roosevelt Bowie Jr. to Daywan Coleman, as well as Syracuse football alumni and actors from The Flash, Star Wars, The Gremlins, Power Rangers, and The Addams Family. Come to the CNY Pop Festival at the F Shed at the Regional Market. Buy VIP and pre-sale tickets now on cnypopfestival.com. Brought to you by Honda City Liverpool, Utica Pizza Company, and True by Hilton Camillus. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Getting you ready for tomorrow's show, we will have the annoying moment of the week, as we always do on a Friday. We'll have the annoying moment of the week, proudly brought to you by Carvel DeWitt, because after hearing the annoying moment of the week, we want to turn that frown upside down and send you to where happiness lives and that's over at Carvel DeWitt it is what happy tastes like and what we mean by that is that when I think about Carvel I think about memories of my family with my friends my birthday parties my grandmother's birthday parties anniversaries whatever it may be we always did a ton of our family things around a Carvel cake so they're happy memories that you can make every day and you can go get the exclusive wake-up call Sunday only at Carvel DeWitt 
chocolate vanilla or a twist topped off with cookie dough pieces and caramel swirl. It is the Wake Up Call Sunday, available on 4322 East Genesee Street in DeWitt, New York for Carvel DeWitt, the longest standing Carvel franchise in America. Significant sound bites will be happening at 9.30 a.m. tomorrow. Find out who's going to be live on the show for that by listening in. And from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, we're doing what we do best. Live video and audio of Sports Cards with John Newman of Newman Sports Cards. He will be with us on Facebook Live, which you can get by going to facebook.com backslash DanTortora21. That's DanTortora21. You can also listen to us here on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT and our simulcast of live video and audio of our sports card segment with plenty of new cards to show you and new sports conversations to have. Special thanks to my guests today, Katie Kalinske and Mike Sofka. Have yourselves a phenomenal day and make sure to go to WakeUpCallDT.com for all of our work, everything that is done. You can go to the Right Now page and read over 500 articles. You can also keep up with over 990 episodes of Wake Up Call with Dan Satora by going to our RSS feed, our Podbean podcast, our iTunes podcast, or TuneIn Radio. Whatever you fancy, you can listen to Wake Up Call now on demand with over 990 shows. You can also see all of our wonderful partners that we're happy to work with, including Canine Campground, our newest partner, Dogboarding, I know a lot of my listeners, you're dog lovers, you're dog friendly, you just, you got that pet, you, your furry loving friend, you treat them as your kid or your brother, your sister, whatever it may be, and when you leave, you want to know that they're safe, when you leave, you want to know that they're in good hands, well, Canine Campground is going to make sure that that happens, I've been out to the location, and I've met Lorraine, and I could tell you that when it comes to, and we've had family dogs stay there, when it comes to Canine Campground, dog boarding. It's not that far away. It's in East Syracuse, right around the corner from Penn and Trophy's new location, actually. And it is a safe haven for your pup. 315-299-4013. It's 315-299-4013. Give them a call and have them take care of your little one or big one, whatever size your dog is, when you're out of town. Canine Campground Dog Boarding. 315-299-4013. I will talk with you tomorrow. Appreciate y'all. Much love and respect. Have yourselves a phenomenal day. And buy your tickets to the CNY Pop Festival at cnypopfestival.com. Yeah, you. I'm talking to you. I'll talk to you soon.